I'm really excited about episode number two for getting to the root cause with Dr. Fong. I'm going to be here talking about uh, glutathione with the man I like to call the glutathione guru, Dr. Tim Guilford. Uh, really great stuff today. We're talking all about how glutathione and depletion of glutathione affects how the detox funnel is working. We're really getting down to the root cause today, uh, talking about how low glutathione levels are caused by different stressors like heavy metals and mycotoxins like mold. And uh, Dr. Guilford is really getting deep into what happens when you have these stressors, glutathione gets low, and it creates chronic disease. We really cover a lot in this episode. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on the show. Oh, it's an honor to be here, Diane. I really appreciate your invitation. Yeah. So Tim uh, is no longer seeing patients, but I call him the glutathione guru because he's done over 15 papers uh, on glutathione, and he has a company called Ready's Orb, and one of their main products is liposomal glutathione, Right. right? And he started out as an ear, nose, and throat surgeon and then moved on to doing complementary medicine as an MD. So I want to know about this journey. So tell me about this journey you took. I've had a really exciting experience in in life and medicine. And um, all of it just kind of happened to me. I uh, trained in ear, nose, and throat, head, neck surgery, and uh, ended up working in a clinic setting that also had a laboratory associated with it. And all of a sudden, everything came together in my hands, and I became a clinical director of a laboratory specializing in allergy and immunology, a viral immunology. And it turns out each of those pieces began to explain more of the underlying causes of the illnesses that I was operating on. And as I gained experience, I found I needed to do less, fewer and fewer surgeries. And um, that's both good and bad if you train as a surgeon because you're not really prepared to go on to develop the next uh, evolution of what I was doing. And then uh, as I went further, I began using, I had a clinic in which I was giving intravenous infusions with vitamin C and also glutathione. And I saw many really nice results with the glutathione infusions. And I thought it would be really nice if we could get the glutathione into people more efficiently. Plain glutathione is not absorbed very well for a number of reasons. One of the primary reasons is that the it can be broken down into constituent parts that then need to be reconstituted inside the cell. And that step turns out to be critical. I didn't know it at the time. So we put the glutathione in a little fatty bubble called a liposome. And it turns out it's absorbed well, especially in our immune cells. An example of that is the macrophages. And it turns out we've been able to do a lot of research um, with some Um, really experienced researchers that show that the liposomal glutathione can go into cells more efficiently than plain glutathione and more efficiently than the building blocks that are used to form glutathione. So most of my experience is with the liposomal glutathione. And how does that compare to a glutathione push or, you know, if you're getting glutathione through an IV bag? The push, I, I saw really nice results with the push but unfortunately, they would wear off because the glutathione, even given, I mean, studies trying to show what happens to glutathione have shown that glutathione disappears out of the bloodstream in 10 minutes after mm. you give a push. Okay. Although people would feel better for a little bit longer, but certainly they would feel like they need another push uh, 
four to five or six hours later. And the advantage with the liposomal glutathione is that you could take several doses in the day if you were in a state that required a higher dose of glutathione, um, for example, in acute illness. And um, so being able to take it orally, daily, several times a day if needed, has a real advantage as opposed to coming into the office and getting an IV um, once a week or more often. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what the glutathione is actually doing. And I know in one of the papers you wrote, you talked about the oxygen paradox. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about that and what is the glutathione actually doing when it gets into your system? The oxygen paradox is a good place to start. I... um, have continued to do research and write some papers. And um, uh, in exploring uh, the evolution of our system, if you think back to the time when oxygen was first being formed and put into the atmosphere, it was a toxin to many of the cells uh, of the t- at that time. And an amazing thing happened. A woman named Lynn Margulis, M-A-R-G-U-L-I-S, has written a nice little book that's easy to understand. She promoted the concept that the mitochondria in our cells, which utilize oxygen in the formation of energy, actually were free-living bacteria at one point. At that time, it really didn't matter if they produced free radicals as a side effect of their action because it would just float outside the cell. But the mitochondria joined in a union with a larger cell Uh, This is the Margulis theory, and um, it's been supported by science at this time. But you needed a way to get rid of the excess free radicals because they wouldn't just diffuse out of the larger cell. So over time, the formation of glutathione uh, evolved. And this turned out to be an important component of helping the cell continue to function, just like the oil in your car removes excess heat and friction Um, When you have glutathione, your mitochondria can function better and your cells function better. When the glutathione decreases, you begin to have problems in in those areas very quickly. So tell us, does the body create glutathione and how does it get depleted? Glutathione is made in every cell in our body. It is a um, component which is also made in higher concentrations in the liver And then released, for example, when you eat a meal, you get a little bolus of glutathione released that actually helps insulin to function more efficiently. There are a number of materials that can block or or restrict the the formation, the reformation of glutathione inside of cells. An example of this is mercury, which is common, unfortunately, in our environment and concentrates in fish in some areas. And the Uh, presence of the mercury will either bind glutathione directly and can even block the function of one of the enzymes needed to make glutathione. So it turns out these enzymes inside the cell that reconstitute glutathione into its active component called reduced glutathione or active glutathione, um, if if they become blocked, then you have an inefficient production. And this can happen by a number of factors that are common in our world. Um, excess oxidation stress alone from metals is an example, but you also get um, this kind of problem when you get a virus, even a, a routine uh, virus. But the children get a common virus called respiratory syncytial virus, which is very oxidizing, and they get this uh, runny nose, for example, and cough. 
Um, and that can be lessened in my clinical experience. We don't have a study showing this, but anecdotally, when people take the liposomal glutathione, they notice less congestion and less uh, problem um, from the excess phlegm production. And it turns out that some of us are able to make more glutathione than others. I'm sure uh, when I was growing up, I remember stories of people that could go out and imbibe alcohol all night and get up in the morning and, and be <laughs> fresh and vigorous. I never had that, right. <laughs> that talent. But um, it turns out a lot of that may be related to how much glutathione you right. produce. So or, there's some genetics we can look at. And when you look at that, those genetics, you can understand how well we can do this process, correct? Exactly, right. exactly. So if you have a number of, um, it, while I've worked with this for a long time, it's only been in the last few years I've begun to appreciate the fact that you could have a number of these factors uh, stacking up. For example, if your genetics were low to begin with, um, if you had some metal exposure, uh, mycotoxins actually block one of the enzymes that are needed to make glutathione. Mycotoxins are the products, the toxic products produced by many molds, um, such as aspergillus. Aspergillus produces a classic uh, toxin that uh, has caused a lot of problems in, in people and it helps explain part of why people become allergic to molds and allergic to pollens. Um, a lot of the allergic phenomenon uh, occurs if glutathione is low the body shifts into a mechanism of response that relies primarily on the formation of antibodies. All this goes back to those uh, macrophages um, that I mentioned at the start that um, help protect our system by engulfing outside materials ranging all the way from toxins to bacteria. Macrophages go in and chew these things up, but they require a continuous supply of glutathione to function most efficiently. When that depletes, the, they switch into a immune response that encourages the formation of antibodies. And these antibodies may range from the immunoglobulin G, which is part of our defense system, but also IgE, which is associated with allergy, allergy. and the acute phase response. So you're saying <clears throat> when glutathione comes down, allergies go up? basically. Yes, I'm okay. saying that. Yeah. Okay. So the factors that you're seeing that deplete uh, glutathione genetics, toxicity like heavy metals, mycotoxins from mold. Right. And so when these things deplete glutathione, then it creates disease. Is it does. that right? It does. So there's the a whole, there's of, a number of articles that talk about a range of diseases that are associated with either deficiency or dysregulation. And what diseases are those? I, I saw you had a bunch of papers about different diseases. What are the key ones that you would really pinpoint? Um, early on, it became apparent to me that glutathione was a critical component in the prevention of atherosclerosis, for okay. example. It turns out, I didn't really understand it for quite a while, uh, but uh, there's a mechanism. Glutathione is important in the um, metabolism of fats, and I, I would think that might even lead to things like fatty liver and other types of diseases where the metabolism of fat is not going well. Turns out that it's a critical component. All these suppositions have been validated by a paper just in the last couple of years that came out of Emory University uh, that showed 
that the level of reduced glutathione in the blood is actually a marker predicting mortality from coronary artery disease. If, in yeah. other words, if you have coronary artery disease and your glutathione starts to drop, your chance of having a fatal event increases. Okay. So this validates all these basic science researches that I just mentioned. So people with cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, et cetera, should be probably taking glutathione I to think decrease they their potential for mortality. I've recommended that to my patients over yeah. the years, and I, I think they should. I think the basic science and uh, the clinical science I just mentioned supports that. You mentioned fatty liver. Yeah. It's interesting because it turns out that a component of the fatty liver is actually related to the formation of a form of thyroid locally in the liver. The enzymes that form thyroid um, work in conjunction with glutathione. So there's two major enzymes that turn T4 into the active form of T3. Well, it turns out there's another form of T3 called reverse T3 that keeps working even if glutathione gets low. And so when this happens, your normal function of thyroid diminishes. Mm -hmm. And that may explain why many people say they feel more energetic in the midst of an illness uh, when they start getting their glutathione repleted. Hmm. It's really a fascinating observation. And this came up out of studies uh, in people that were exposed in moldy buildings uh, chronically. Interesting. Uh, they had uh, fatigue as a major symptom, and many of them had an increase in what's called reverse T3. Reverse T3 has been controversial in the past, but there's more and more research showing that when that's elevated, that associates with the fatigue associated with the decreased thyroid function. Interesting. So you're seeing a correlation of someone having toxicity or like heavy metal toxicity, maybe mycotoxin toxicity, glutathione levels depleting, free T3, the active version of T3 coming down. And then that's why we see some reverse T3 levels increase. And so right. we see that. And then, um, and then that's hypothyroidism. Correct. Right? And, and, and that could be, of course, hypothyroid, the focus has been to replace either the T4 and some physicians uh, will use uh, a T3 or cytomel, mm -hmm. although it's uh, some people consider it trickier. Um, if you use low doses uh, carefully, there's not much problem. Okay. So you can su bo support both the thyroid itself, and I think we should be supporting the, gl the, glutathione, the glutathione to allow those yeah. enzymes to make normal uh, thyroid. So it's so interesting because I think hypothyroidism or thyroid disease is it's so prevalent. Like in my adult patients, I would say that, I don't know, 50 to 75% of them, I see this problem of high reverse T3 and low free T3. Uh, and I tend to detox them, actually, to, to address this issue. Um, rather than going straight to prescribing them, you know, thyroid medication, I try to put them on a detox program and then possibly increase nutrients like iodine, you know, selenium, zinc, et cetera. But I've never thought to directly give glutathione to treat, to help a hypothyroid patient. I, I think we will in the future, you know, like I mentioned the study in people with uh, heart disease who whose glutathione, active form of glutathione, decreases during the course of their illness, we need to ask the question, why is this being 
why is it decreasing? There's documented studies that show that genetics of glutathione production um, SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms. That's a big word that refers to uh, the absence of the full function of the gene needed to make a product. Well, SNPs occur in some of the glutathione-producing um, enzymes, and this turns out, turns out to have a higher prevalence in people with heart disease than others. It's really fascinating. So at some point, medicine will look at not only They'll look at glutathione, not with the thought of replacing the glutathione, but asking the question, why is it becoming depleted? We mentioned genetics, but there's also, as you mentioned, the metals, mycotoxins, viruses, for example. Right, uh, which I'm definitely doing podcasts about all of these in the future because people have been asking me about heavy metal toxicity, mycotoxins. I think these are some of the problems that are really rampant in our society today, uh, which is why all this chronic disease is happening, right? I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, so we're definitely going to be talking about that in the future. Uh, in terms of genetics, I really like to use this company. I don't know if you know it. It's called um, Methyl Genetic Nutrition Analysis. And I like to use that to really understand the glutathione process. And actually, if I see SNPs there, I will prescribe patients uh, the Redisorb glutathione. Oh, thank so, you. I'm happy yeah. to hear that. And I hope uh, that they have done well with it. Uh, the methylation cycle became prominent uh, thanks to a researcher named Jill James back at the University of Arkansas, um, probably 15, 16 plus years ago, in, in which she published a study showing that children with autism had defects in their methylation cycle. This is the cycle that uh, helps form one of the components of glutathione called cysteine. Glutathione is made of three amino acids, cysteine, glutamine, and glycine. And it's been thought that cysteine is a rate-limiting factor. And Dr. James showed that these children had uh, gene defects, SNPs, in their uh, formation of um, cysteine. When you don't have enough glutathione, you actually can't make more glutathione. So that's where being able to supply glutathione intravenously mm-hmm. or in a liposome form um, has, has benefit. So tell me the difference between, let's say, supplementing with, let's say, cysteine, NAC, um, versus taking lup- uh, liposomal glutathione. Um, I, I think uh, those forms of support for glutathione are excellent. Um, but there's a problem in that reconstitution part that I mentioned. So sometimes the building blocks won't fit together because you don't create the enzymes appropriately because of genetics. And so liposomal glutathione is just kind of getting the glutathione right into the system rather than needing to put all those building blocks together. Right. Okay. So tell me if somebody wanted to try to supplement with liposomal glutathione, first of all, what types of diseases would they consider doing this? Or is it, you know, it seems like almost every chronic illness, almost everyone should be maybe taking a little liposomal glutathione, or are there specific diseases that you would suggest? I think if you have an illness, you might consider it. I don't want to say that every illness is going to benefit from taking it, although most, uh, creating a foundation in which other materials will work more efficiently. For example, um, if you're detoxing uh, lead, I, I have not seen the liposomal glutathione remove lead as efficiently as it seems to do in mercury removal. Although with mercury removal, I didn't have a 
a ton of experience of just putting people on liposomal glutathione alone, but I had a handful of cases where they used it for six months, and I did a before and after, and the levels of the metal went down, and the levels of the patient's function seemed to improve. Where I like to use it is especially in um, respiratory illnesses where there's some congestion and some phlegm, because you can see uh, results often in people with just the liposomal glutathione. But if you're treating a more complex illness, I think you should work with a a physician uh, to see if there's not some adjuncts. I mentioned you need to remove the stressors that have caused glutathione to become less available. I've seen cases where people wanted to take just the redisorb and not do anything else, and they don't necessarily get better from the problem. Right. So if you're giving glutathione but you're not taking away those stressors, you're just kind of depleting, 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 replacing, 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 and you're just really, you're never going to catch the train. So you exactly. need to do both. I think that's yeah, a good I think analogy. That's great, great advice. Um, so tell me, because I know that some people will start glutathione and they'll get detox reactions. Tell me about those. As they start moving toxins out of their body, they may not have repleted their whole elimination system. And so many times some people will complain they get some mild um, reactions like a cold or flu-like experience. But I've often wondered if actually giving more might be helpful. But what we've decided to do is tell people, tell everybody to start low, where our usual dose for repletion is one teaspoon once or twice a day. I tell people to start their patients with illness with a quarter of a teaspoon and slowly build up. And that way you avoid um, any of the uh, side effects or unpleasant effects of uh, mobilizing toxins and materials uh, out of the body. Rarely uh, you will find someone who needs to use an even lower dose. And I've had physicians who have reported to me that what they've done is start people with a drop Mm -hmm. in uh, two ounces of water, for example, and double that every day till you get up to about eight or 16 drops, uh, which is a quarter of a teaspoon at 16 um, and if you hit a ceiling along the way, then you can go back down and just stay at that level for a few days and then try and move back up. Mm-hmm. Well, I always, anyone who enters my practice, I always explain what we call in naturopathic medicine the healing crisis, right? That as you get better, your right. body could create these sometimes flu-like symptoms or hangover-type symptoms as toxins are moving out of the system. Um, and I have patients who have had that problem with glutathione, but they are my very complex, you know, multiple layers of disease, mycotoxins, heavy metals, you know, et cetera. And then as they're taking glutathione, I mean, toxins are just rushing out of the system. And so I will get, I will start them with a drop and then move up from there. And they will build up usually and Good. really notice some difference. Well, it sounds like you have a wise approach uh, to uh, <laughs> dealing with these complex situations. And, and I think your point about the fact that it's layers of problem is, is really important for people to understand because many times people will uh, come into me and they say, well, look, I had my amalgams taken out of my teeth, for example. Um, that's a mercury-containing silver fillings. And they say, I don't feel any better. And, and the, the point that you need to be aware is that you may still have these toxins left over in the remainder of your cells and, and continued or further removal with a chelator right. and or glutathione right. may be beneficial. 
Yeah, I agree with that uh, so much because even people say, oh, with food, food and the inflammatory process in your Mm. gut, and they say, oh, well, I took out gluten, dairy, all these things, and I feel better, but I'm still sick. And it's uh, likely because the tissues in the in the gut, the gut lining has been damaged and there's inflammation there still. Even though you've removed the food, we do need to heal the gut lining. And so oftentimes removing the stressor to me is part one. Number two is, uh, you know, healing and replenishing what's been missing and the healing tissues that have been damaged and replenishing glutathione, right? So part one, removing the stressors. Part two replenishing. And then part three is when your body really now doesn't have the stressors, now has all the building blocks and can heal itself. I think that's a wise approach. Yeah. Even, even exercise, um, we've probably met patients who have trouble with exercise. Exercise is an oxidizing stressor. And in fact, <clears throat> I saw a paper where uh, someone was promoting the idea that you could use exercise to encourage the formation of glutathione to help reduce the impact of persistent organic pollutants. They call, For an acronym, they call them POPs. But uh, that exercise might be helpful for an approach for that uh, dilemma. And, and I think that's not bad, but not everyone can exercise, um, and not everyone can exercise to the point where they're making enough glutathione because you're actually encouraging your body to form glutathione when you do that. And that's part of the conditioning, I think, of, uh, of exercise. Let's give a takeaway in, in one sentence. What would you say the takeaway for our listeners today? What should they take home from what we've been talking about in terms of glutathione? Be aware that glutathione is a fundamental component of our cells, which only recently has begun to be measured in labs. If your glutathione were to be low, it's there. You should work with someone to figure out why that has happened, in addition to looking at the various approaches that can be applied to restore your glutathione. We have a beautiful study that illustrates this in children with autism. Um, autism is one of those diseases that are low glutathione. And along that topic, I want to mention the fact that at the other end of life, Alzheimer's disease is also a low glutathione disease. And one of the researchers that I've worked with has shown in their lab, the brain cells of people who have passed away with Alzheimer's disease are not only low glutathione, but they're also missing that GCLC enzyme. So why this is happening is is not explored, but if perhaps you've read about this fellow, Bredesen, who's talked about an approach for solving the Alzheimer's problem, he really emphasizes uh, getting rid of toxins and supporting the thyroid in his uh, cases, in, a, in addition to other supplements. And I think he's really starting to scratch the surface of the fact that you've got to detoxify these people and look at the causes for problems as well as support their genetic inefficiencies. There's yet another study that came out of Emory University that, more recently that has shown that in otherwise healthy people, as they get older, if their reduced glutathione in the blood drops, it predicts cognitive decline. Hmm. So cognitive impairment is dependent on the availability of glutathione, which all of a sudden puts diseases like autism and Alzheimer's disease in a little bit more understandable situation. Influenza vaccine has been shown to cause significant oxidation stress in healthy men, 17 to 33 years of age, 
So you can imagine the impact that that might have on a younger, smaller body. So the takeaway is that to become aware of it, talk to your physician. If your physician doesn't know about it or doesn't want to discuss it, find someone in your area, perhaps a naturopath uh, like Diane Fong. (laughs) Well, I think it's so interesting because I think I said in my last podcast, I said, I have found that the root cause of almost all chronic disease that walks through my door is some type of toxicity. Mm. And so what I have found myself doing with these patients is detoxing them. That is the main thing that I feel that I do with my patients now. And I always, I've been talking about this, I like to call it the detox funnel. And if it gets congested, then you're not going to be really, you know, you're not going to be doing the functions that you need to do properly in your system. I think that's a wise choice and a great description of, of the problem because it is like a funnel and you can't get it all out. If, right. Uh, if you don't have the right uh, nutrient support. So how can uh, listeners find Redisorb? Uh, the, the easiest way you can find Redisorb uh, by going to redisorb.com, uh, R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B. And Redisorb does liposomal glutathione, but also uh, methyl B12, liposomal as well too, correct? Right. And liposomal melatonin if people have sleep problems on the night they do the liver gallbladder flush, which is part of my program, oh, right. I have them take the melatonin, the liposomal melatonin. It works really well. I'm happy you mentioned the liver gallbladder. I think that's an important uh, flush um, yeah. concept that really helps people uh, a lot. I've talked to a number of physicians who use that uh, very efficiently. Right. It's, it's been uh, really a magic bullet in my practice for myself and my patients. So it's something I created a program for. So so I use it there, and then uh, and then the B12 I, I feel works really well too. I know you don't do a lot of marketing on it, but they both are great products. I really I do like them a lot. Uh, you can also find our information at liposomalglutathione.com, um, which is um, we don't promote products on that. We put it out there to allow people to access information without being inundated with product, but they can use the contact information to get to us through that route also. Great. Great. Okay. So they can find you at readysorb.com or liposomalglutathione.com as well too to find more information about that. Uh, Well, it's been great chatting with you. I think this is uh, information that everybody should be hearing and knowing. And so I'm sure the listeners are really excited about all that. Dr. Fong, it's been a a real treat for me to chat with you. Um, it's, It's rare that I can talk with someone who understands these concepts and ha- has put together programs to help people like you have. I really appreciate it. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. We actually, we didn't talk about how we met. I mean, we, we used to work together at Integrative Medical Associates with yeah, Dr. Graham Shaw, and that's how I met, uh, you know, this guru here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm really glad. I haven't seen you in a while, and it's just been really nice to connect and chat. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, if you guys want to find him and his company, readysorb.com, and reach him through there. And thank you guys so much for joining us today. It's been really fun uh, talking about glutathione and, you know, always about the detox funnel. I love the detox funnel. And I hope you join me next time. <laughs> <laughs>